blessed to be here. Thank you for all that you've given, God, and all that you're doing in us and through us, Lord. We just uh, we, we can't thank you enough, and uh, everything that we say is just not. Uh, it's not worthy of what you are and what you've done. We, we just ask that you would guide us today as we look at uh, as look at your word, and that you would be with us as we go to worship you in uh, in the service and be with Brother Ed as he's preaching. Lord, we thank you for that. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Acts chapter five. This is we'd probably just do. I guess we'll do verse one through sixteen, just because that seems like a good breaking point. Um, we come off of Acts chapter four. And what happened? We we saw the, uh, you know, the the they pray. You remember they pray. We saw the content of their prayer. How they were just praying for boldness, not praying to be relieved out of the trial that they were going through. First persecution of the church going on. The first crisis of the church, so to speak. And they went to God in prayer. Uh, they continued to speak boldly. Um, the very last thing that we saw, and this is this is why we need to we need to go section by section, because I think that the story of Ananias and Sapphira about the the giving the, the what they did and what happened to them, it's connected with the last few verses of chapter four. In the last few verses of chapter four, we saw Barnabas as a model of sacrifice and fellowship as he came, and it's telling us in the early church that they were. Were bringing their possessions for to to uh, help the needy that were among them, and we we looked we took that verse apart. Some of y'all maybe weren't here last time. We took those verses apart and showed that it wasn't like communism, like you had to give all your stuff to be part of our community. It was people. It was Christian generosity. People were coming as people had need, and it was an imperfect verb, so it was showing that it was continually happening. It wasn't just a once for all. If you want to join our community, you bring all your stuff stuff and you give it to us and it wasn't that whatsoever people were coming as you know so and so has a need hey i've got a parcel of land i'll give and they'll they'll be able to fill that need whatever that's what was going on and so the last couple of verses let's just read those it says Verse 36 of chapter 4 said that, And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, and now we're going to see a contrast in, uh, for, for what Barnabas did. Barnabas came, he brought the parcel of land. Somebody had a need. Barnabas brought it. Barnabas sold it. Barnabas gave it, and the apostles applied it, met that need. Now, it's not. It doesn't really tell us why. And and I, I'm I'm just assuming all y'all know the story. Y'all read it. What happened? And okay. Uh, we're not really told why they did what they did, but it has to be, and this is just me thinking out loud, you can give me your thoughts or whatever, it has to be because they wanted the acclaim of the community the same way that Barnabas got. You know, they wanted to be seen as the, if it was just greed, if it was just money-hungry people, they would have just kept the money. I mean, you didn't have to go through this big charade, you didn't have to go through all this deal, you just, whatever. Uh, they wanted something from the community. Community. They wanted praise, acclaim. They wanted to be seen as sacrificial or good or whatever. So, I don't know. We'll talk about that. Is there any questions before we start? Anything we need to talk about? <coughs> Silence. All right. So let's just start. And then if you got a question, just stop us. We'll, we'll, we'll go to 
16, I think. All right, verses 1 and 2. But a man, a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. This is coming off the heels of what Barnabas did. Uh, He sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it, she knew all about it, and brought a certain part, he brought part of it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. So what they did was, they, of course, it's self-explanatory, they sold this possession just like Barnabas did. Uh, They sold it and they brought only a part of it. Now, what's interesting about this is the word kept back there, it's 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 a Greek word that's only used in the New Testament in one other place. It's uh, uh, Titus 2.10, I'm pretty sure it is. It's on your outline, I think. Uh, And it talks about servants don't steal from your masters. That's what it is. And so this word, it's not just kept back means, you know, we're just going to pull that. You know, we're just going to, we're going to put a little to the side. The way Luke's describing what they did here when he says kept back, this word that he uses, it's, it's like they're stealing. It's like they're stealing the money. It's the same verb in the Greek translation of the Old Testament that is used for Achan. You know who Achan is? Um... In the Battle of Jericho, when Joshua came and crossed the Jordan, and they were the first city they came across was Jericho. You all know the story, I'm sure. They, God told them, "You're not going to have to do nothing. Just march around it, you know, once a day for seven days, and then march around it seven times on the seventh day and shout, and the walls are going to come falling down." That's exactly what happened. But He told them everything in the city is to be uh, under the ban, which means dedicated to Me. You're supposed to burn it. You're supposed to uh, offer it is an offering to me. Nobody's to take anything. Well, there was a guy named Achan in Joshua chapter 7 who took some stuff for himself and hid it in his tent. The same verb kept back is translated kept back here is used for what Achan did in the Old Testament. So I think, and it's just me talking out loud, I think Luke has drawn a parallel between what Achan did and what Ananias and Sapphira did. It's a new community in the promised land. Uh, the, The dawn of the New Testament church, just like the Israelites were coming across the Jordan, and this is they're new in the land, and they were winning victories. God had just, you know, knocked the walls down, and you see sin entered. Sin entered the camp, and you know what happened to Achan? They stoned him, stoned him to death, his whole family, you know. And so God is going to bring judgment and justice to Ananias and Sapphira. So before we even get to what happened to them, and I know you already know the story, but you, you need to see where Luke is framing this section. He's framing this chapter to put Ananias and Sapphira already on the... Uh, I don't know, set them up as the bad guys, showing them that that this work they didn't just sell a piece of property and, you know, squirrel away some money for a rainy day in case something happens. The verb that he uses is a, the verb that's used throughout Scripture to be stealing, to be hoarding, to be sinning, you know, to, to, to keep back. And it's interesting to me because Peter's going to say, hey, this was your property. You could have sold it or not. And when, once you sold it, it was your money. You could have gave it all, gave a part. You could have you done whatever you wanted to do with it. It's interesting to me that Luke says here that the money that they gave, it was almost like they stole part of it, embezzled part of it, but it'd be a better word, uh, because they had told the community that they were given all of it. Does that make sense? Why do you think they told the community that 
They told the apostles. They told... I'm assuming it's in public. They came and laid it at the apostles' feet. The, the, the death happened in public. He was right there and said, Okay, y'all take him out and go bury him. That was all public. So why do you think that they would... Why do you think they contrived in themselves to do this? To say, i tell you what. I mean, think about it. Ananias and Sapphira... What we'll do? Did you see what happened to Barnabas and what Barnabas did? I tell you what we'll do. We'll sell, you know, the guest house out by the lake or whatever, you know, and and we'll tell them that we're giving the money to help whoever, and we'll just keep back some of it. We won't tell them that that's the price we sold. Why would they do that? Greed. Greed to keep the money. I think to look good in the eyes of those. Whoa. To look good in front of the apostles in the community? Huh? Yeah, they wanted, they wanted people to say, wow, they're generous. Do people still do that today? Yes. They were also basing their, their love of, because these are new Christians, they're also basing their love off of their works and not true faith as well. Now see, there's another question. Are they Christians? I don't have an answer. Yeah. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us. What do you think? Do you think they're believers or not? Well, they were. They lied. They I think they lied to the Believers lied. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, they didn't. I mean, it doesn't even show that they had any remorse for the lie. I mean, it was right. a wicked heart. The lie, you know. But I think that they, they, they wanted to be. I think that they were basically... They, they didn't have true faith. I think that they were they wanted to be, but they thought just like what, what Peter had said in the beginning, you know, with, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were trying to bring another element into it. You know, hmm. like they were talking about circumcision, you know, well, yes, we believe in Jesus, and yes, we want to do this, but we need to add this to it. And I think that they needed, they thought that they needed to purchase their salvation exactly <laughs> well it doesn't say and there are people on both sides i can I, I got i can give you books of scholars that say they were and people that say they weren't so i can't give you the yes they were absolutely i mean i can't give you that uh, i can tell you what i think and i'll show you when we get there why uh you know what what i think but what i think you know you put that in your hand you can't even buy a pack of bubble gum with it so <clears throat> Uh, what we need to see, huh? I think if they were believers, don't you think that they know that these people are already filled with the Holy Ghost and they'd already done all these miraculous miracles? So the miracles were still going on, yeah. They were still going on. So to me, if they were believers, surely they weren't stupid enough to know that this man wouldn't have called him out and known all. I don't know. See, that, that's my thinking too, is what Dana said. Because I mean, you would think that they would have seen all this stuff that's going on, you know, that the apostles did. <laughs> How could they not think at some point that they're going to get caught? Yeah. <laughs> I can't argue with that for sure. A, per, a person is intelligent, but people in general are stupid. Yeah. Yeah, you always think you, you know, I can get away with it. Those guys didn't get away with it because they weren't smart. Well, no matter what you think of whether they were believers or not, they did think they could get away with it. I mean, they weren't walking in going, hey, I'm probably going to get killed. You know? I, now see, don't even put that. No, get out of here. No, no. I'm thinking it was mostly her. She probably came up with the idea and probably put it in his ear. <laughs> yeah. Adam and Eve. I mean, he. Except for the fact that, in, in my experience, 
if I try to get something on slide, she can correct me. She's like, no, you ain't doing that. Don't be sucking up in my classroom. <laughs> Do that in somebody. Do that in somebody else's deal. Okay. But the man is supposed to be the head. The man is not supposed to be. He is the head, for good or bad. He is the head of the household. Wait a minute! I can't hear. I can't hear. What if What if she knew it was wrong and wanted to say something that, out of respect and being subservient to her husband? Yeah. She did not. What if she was an alien? Who knows? I could play the what if game all day long, but the fact is, they both were punished. Both of them. Question. Okay. We may have done answered it, but me and Donna were just discussing it. Were they ordered to sell all their possessions? No. Was it something that completely voluntary? Well, then how was keeping back theft? The problem was, we're going to get to that too. The the sin was not the theft, the sin was the lie. By promising the full amount, they had given it in God's eyes. Uh, they had committed. They told Peter, this is the full price, and they kept back part of it. How do you know that it doesn't say that? <coughs> what? It doesn't say that. doesn't say what? That they told Peter it was the full price. Yeah. Yeah. Let's read it. Let's just read it because we're doing all this talking for us that have read it. Let's read it so everybody gets the context. Uh, verse 3 says, But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained with, was it not thine own? It says, while you owned it, wasn't it yours? You had authority, power over it. And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? You could have done with the money whatever you wanted to do. So it was not mandatory. It was voluntary. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart, thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And so the presumption is that they said this is the full price that we're given, and Peter called them on it. They just kind of read between the lines there. Well, no, it's just not recorded that what was going on was the apostles were meeting in Solomon's portico. That was just kind of their meeting place, and they were also meeting from house to house. We read that in, in and so what they would do is the apostle would come, and remember, by this time there was at least eight, nine thousand, if not up to fifteen thousand believers. You know, there were three thousand on the day of Pentecost, five thousand on the next uh, the next time Peter preached in the temple after he healed the man at the gate called Beautiful. And so there were thousands of people that were meeting. And what was going on was the apostles were standing up in Solomon's porch, which was the, the, the it was around the edges of the temple court. It was like a covered portico. And so they were meeting there and the people were, were coming to listen to the apostles preach, to listen to them talk about Jesus and the gospel. They were bringing the message of salvation, all those things. And then all of a sudden, with all these people in this new community, there's needs started being popping up. Needs started. And so the people, it says in the text that the people were bringing things that they'd sold, possessions that they had, and they were laying these monies down at the apostles' feet so they could be distributed to the people that had needs. So just the scene, it implies that it's a public thing going on. And so Barnabas gave the whole price for this land or this position, whatever it was. And so the, 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 the idea is that Ananias and Sapphira were doing the same thing. And this was a public thing that was going on. Now, when Ananias brought the money, Sapphira wasn't there. 
Okay, which makes, you know, and we're not told why, but she comes in later, and we just probably need to read it, but she comes in later. She knew all about the scheme, but she comes in later, and the, the purchase price has already been, the, what Ananias and Sapphira told the community is already public knowledge because Peter asks her, is this the price? Is it such and such a price? And she says, yes, it is such and such a price. So we're almost, it's almost like this has already gone on in public. Let me just read it and then we'll talk about it. Uh, where are we at? Five. Ananias, and Ananias hearing these words fell down and gave up the ghost. He died. Great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter asked, Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. He asked her about the price. Now, he gives her an opportunity right here to repent. An opportunity to say... You know, we we kind of told now. I th- what? Why even go that route? Though it sounds like entrapment. But why even go that route? Why not just say your husband has died, and why even go with the pretense of? I mean, she didn't even get to say goodbye to her husband. First of all, entrapment is when you present an opportunity to someone that they would not have thought themselves, and then get them for the crime. So she had already committed the crime. He was giving her an opportunity to confess the crime. Poor old Sapphira. Poor Sapphira. <laughs> you know. That's right. Anyway, she didn't accept. She didn't accept the. She didn't take advantage of the opportunity. Now I want you to think about something. First of all. I have a hard time believing, yes, they were absolutely part of the community, but so is everybody that's going to walk in the door here and here today. Doesn't mean that they're believers. I have a hard time believing that Ananias and Sapphira were true believers for only one reason, because it says Satan filled their heart at the beginning. And not that Satan can't tempt you or anything like that, but that filled your heart. That's the same construction that Luke uses for they were filled with the Holy Spirit here. They were filled with the Holy Spirit there. They were filled with the Holy Spirit there. So I'm not saying I can't tell you definitively yes they were or definitively no they weren't. I'm just leaning that direction. I'm just leaning that they were not. Is it possible for true believers to lie and to do all Absolutely, of course. I mean, we're... we're Welcome to 2016. You know, it's absolutely possible. But I'm just leaning that direction. Doesn't mean I'm right. That's just where I'm thinking. Second of all, the, here's the problem. And I knew this was coming because I felt it in my own heart as well. You almost feel sorry for Ananias and Sapphira. It's like, dang, man. I mean, that's kind of harsh, don't you think? Just for one little lie. I mean, for, but what we're doing is we're not understanding how serious God takes sin. The reality is that God would be well within His right today, 10 years ago, and in Peter's day, to bring death upon the sinner at any point in time after he sins. One little tiny lie, God would be, all of creation would praise His righteousness if He would kill drop dead sinners at the moment that they sinned. It's just the fact that He is a merciful, patient God that it doesn't happen because the wages of sin is most certainly death. Does that make sense? So what I'm telling you is 
The question is not, man, why was God so bad to Ananias and Sapphira? The question is, why is God so good to us? Why does it, why does it, because it, it, I guarantee you, if, if folks would start dropping dead when they sin, you know, it, yeah, yeah, well, it wouldn't be nobody on it. (laughs) We, we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning and be like, ooh, it's a nice, uh," you know. (laughs) So, the reality is that, this is a new community of believers. They are coming up against persecution. They're coming up against the, the whole weight of the religious system of the day. Uh, it, it, people are, are starting to follow. People are, you know, when you get 10,000 people and they're part of a group, other people are going to come just to say, you know, I'm part of the group. We're part of the rebellion, you know, whatever, whatever they, you know, whatever the religious leaders thought that these guys were. Uh, they were getting part of the group. Well, now, did you see what happened when, when, when Ananias dropped dead? It said, and fear came all over everybody. They're starting to understand that this, this, this church thing ain't nothing to fool with. I mean, you're coming into the presence of God right here. This is like the high priest that walked into the Holy of Holies. Sin, bang, you're dead. You know, you have to have, I mean, this is a serious deal. This is something that's real. I mean, imagine if you were next in line behind Ananias with your gift in your hand. <laughs> go ahead, you can go. I'll, I'll wait, you know. What, what would you do? You start examining your heart. You start, oh, I'll make sure. I promise. Look, here's the receipt, man. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> of course, fear started coming on people. They're like, whoa. We're going to see here as we go through the text uh, down toward 15, people started to say, you know, we, we, we think highly of them, but we're not going to get too close. You know what I mean? We're not going to get too close. He, he, God showed, God used them as an example to show, hey, this this is holy. This is holiness here. You're not just coming into part of the group and we're part of the crowd. We're going to buck the religious establishment. This is my people and I'm holy and I'm a just God and you're not going to come in here. You're not going to come in here with, with sin and, and act like it's just no big deal. We can do whatever we want. And that's what Ananias and Sapphira thought, that we can just sin with impunity. We can do whatever we want and They'll never know, and we won't want to. And pow. Well, Peter said right here, he didn't say you lied to us or anything. He said you lied to the Holy Ghost. That's right. And notice that Peter doesn't give any words of condemnation or judgment himself. He doesn't say you are condemned, you are whatever, you're going, God's gonna. He doesn't do any of that. All he said was, hey, you've you've lied to God right here, and then God brings judgment immediately. Probably just as surprise as everybody. It is very possible that he very possible that he was. Dying. <laughs> you know. And she didn't even know when she went in what had happened to her. No, he, she didn't know. She came in later. And what do you think is going through her mind as she walks in the door? What huh? Yeah, where is he? What was she, what was she expecting, you think? Yeah. It's Sapphira, the one that gave all that land, all that. You know, she walked in, everybody's quiet. It's like, ooh, what happened here? You know, I mean... The point of the point of the whole text, I think, is, and we're going to read as we move into the next little. Luke gives another little summary statement about the church here. But the point is that yes, there's a new community. There's a, a, a revitalized remnant of the true Israel that has come to be God's people in it. But God is still just as holy as He was before. This is not the first time in the Bible that God dropped somebody dead on the spot, is it? Yeah. Okay, might think who is some other ones that God just pow you did. Uzzah, yeah, touch the ark. This guy, 
talk about a bad string of bad luck. The ark was being moved on a on a ox cart, which it wasn't supposed to be in the first place. It was supposed to be carried by the Levites. But the ark slipped, fixed and touched the mud, and this guy's his mistake was thinking that my sinful hand is cleaner than the mud. And he tried to stop the ark from falling in the mud. And when he touched the ark, God dropped him dead. I mean, pow, dead. And it really got up. I mean, David was upset that this had happened. What? Anybody else? Anybody know? What about Abihu and Nadab? Y'all know? Anybody read Leviticus? I know it's good reading. (laughs) Chapter 10. They offered strange fire on the altar of God. Dropped them dead right there in the temple. They had to come. They had to come. Yeah, they offered. Uh, they offered a type of sacrifice, type of incense that wasn't allowed in the in the temple. And this was Aaron's kids. <laughs> I mean, Aaron was like, you know, it, it, it's very interesting. Uh, God has God has done this in the past, and it, He's showing that look, these are still my people. I mean, this is this is not some new this is not some new deal where you know, hey, we're not worried about sin anymore, and we're not whatever. Sin is just as ugly and as wicked as it's always been. The only difference between the only difference between then and now is that it is it's atoned for by the blood of Christ. But these people came into the community. Where we can argue about whether they were believers or not. They very well could have been. I told you my stance on that, but they come into this community thinking, nah, we can, yeah, it's not a big deal. We're just going to, you know, we're going to seek praise from men. We're going to come and we're going to give our uh, whatever we want to give and whatever, and it's fine. And, and God made an example out of them. God made an example that this is, this is not the way it's going to be. Interesting thing, I don't know how much time we got left, but interesting thing is uh, Peter says, listen, they could have... They could have not sold the thing at all and been fine. They could have sold the thing and kept the money and been fine. They could have sold the thing and gave half the money and told the apostles that we're just giving half the money and that's it and been fine. But what they did was they told them that we're giving the full amount and they kept back half for themselves. And that was that was the problem. The problem was not have you given enough or you've given what the problem was you lied to the Holy Spirit. And Peter's gonna say here to Sapphira that you have tested the Lord God. Um, verse uh, Peter eight and Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much, and she said, Yea, for so much. She told him. She had an opportunity. Do you think she would have been forgiven if she would have repented right then? Absolutely. I think so too. I think so too. And so she would have told them that had she known what had happened to him. Exactly. That would have been for Peter. Huh? Of course, Peter would have been. Probably. Are you sure that that's your final answer? Okay. You You think he should have told her? No, I think he should have just made her think about it for a minute. Are you sure? Are you sure you want to go with that? Why do you think we're owed any more warning? Peter's not going to go with Siri. I think Peter's a nice guy. I don't know why. Help her out. Help his sister out. (laughs) 
Okay. It's probably her fault. That's why I didn't help her. <laughs> yeah, number nine. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. And then she fell down straight away at his feet, yielded up the ghost. Young men came in, found her dead, carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. Verse 11, And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. You better believe it, buddy. You know that spread like wildfire. You better believe it came upon them. You know that spread like I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I can imagine some left. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Why don't you use the scripture verse when you're preaching about tithing? <laughs> this one? Well, because it doesn't it doesn't speak specifically of tithing. I mean, I looked at your wife on the bonus. I sure read I wrote this down and I'll check. I mean, that's how I feel. I mean, yes, yes. Know, I mean, as Christians and, and struggling and all, and you go, you know, maybe I won't put it in. Maybe I'll wait till Wednesday, and then you go, the Lord just. Now it and it's it. I think it's it would be it would be feasible to do that. The reason that I don't is because it seems to me that if I'm going to preach on tithing uh, from a New Testament perspective, I'm going to go to First Corinthians 16, 1 through five, where it says on the first day of the week you give. On the first day of the week you get. I mean it's explicit, and you give of the first fruits. You don't give what's left over, and that's what I'm going to do. This this text I think. Think is more about the seriousness of sin because what they gave and the amount that they gave is really not the issue. The issue is they lied about it. Right. So now, if you're saying now, I thought about this this week, and I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna go here, but. The word tithe means tenth. I mean, that's what it means, the word tithe. So if you say, I'm going to tithe, and I, I don't give a tenth, you know, are you doing the same thing Ananias and Sapphira was doing? I mean, it's a question. Now, I'm not getting on you for tithing, just whatever. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm just, huh? Can you just say offering? You can say, whatever. I'm not saying that's the same thing. I'm asking a question. Because I hadn't seen nobody drop dead, so, you know, if we take this... At face value, you know, all y'all doing pretty good, I guess. Y'all still living. Uh, but no, no, no. You know that's not true. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is God would be right. God is right to punish sin. And he's at right, right to administer death at any point that the sinner sins, at any point after that. So the fact that he does not on a normal, everyday basis, he still will and can, uh, but the fact that, I mean, you and I have sinned this week sometime, and here we are, we're not dead. That fact alone shows that God is merciful and patient and kind. I mean, this, this text is the purpose of it. I think Luke sticks it here. He sticks it right in between two passages about the fellowship of the saints and the miracles that were going on and the apostles' ministry and preaching. He sticks it right in the middle of those two sections to show that sin is still uh, is still going to be dealt with and it's still a serious thing. And, you know, perhaps the early church, not the apostles or the people, but some of the people that were coming in after all these people, you know, it's 10,000 people 
people meeting under this deal. Let's go check them out. Woo, you know, so some of these people that might have been coming in might have been, you know, a little, little um, ignorant about how serious that this was. That this is the temple of the living God right here. This is the church of Jesus Christ. This is not just the social club. This is not just, hey, let's come and meet and aren't we going to stick it in the religious authorities' eyes if we go and listen to Peter preach? This was coming into the presence of the Holy One of Israel right here. And people needed to see that it's serious. And I think they did because both in the midst of the text when, when Ananias died, it said people were afraid after it happened. And then after Sapphira died, it said the whole church was afraid after this happened. So twice Peter repeats the fact that the church saw this go on and they were like, dang. I mean, that's, that's some serious stuff. This is not just, this is not just, ooh, let's go hear the preaching, you know, let's go listen to the music. This is coming into the presence of God. You better, you better prepare your heart. You better get ready. You better make sure that you, that you, um, I mean, it's just like coming into the Holy of Holies. If you thought death was a possibility, if I wasn't prepared, I guarantee you'd be, you'd be spending time getting prepared. You know, and, and so that's what it, it's what it was kind of showing. Let me just finish up this passage, then we can continue talking if you want to. Uh, verse 12 uh, through 16 is going to show us that even in the face of what just happened, the ministry of the apostles and the church continued to grow. That's one of the things I love about the early church is that they didn't dumb the message down to make it more you know easy for people to hear easy for people to accept you know this dude come in and he wasn't right he died you know, and so they're what, they wasn't dumbing that message down. They wasn't saying, well, it's not going to happen to you. Just come on. It's going to be, come join our fellowship. Come on. No, no. They kept preaching. They kept teaching the holiness of God, the glory of God, the sacrifice of Jesus, the resurrection. They keep preaching those things. And it says God continued to add to his church. Uh, they didn't dumb the message down to get converts. Verse 12 said, by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord. Solomon's porch. We saw that before. And of the rest, listen to this now, and of the rest, there's no man join himself to them, but the people magnified him. You, you get that? They were saying, the people were speaking highly of them, and they were saying, wow, they're good folks, and they're doing right, and they're following God, but they weren't ready to get real close to them. You see what I mean? They weren't ready to join up. You understand? They were a little skeptical. They were a little afraid. Am I okay? To, you know, what if I go in there and he drops me dead? You know? I mean, you can imagine, they were a little, they were a little skeptical. And so it says, not skeptical, but afraid. I mean, afraid's a good word. And so it says, and believers, and believers were the more added to the Lord, even though people were, um, they were, uh, maybe afraid ain't the best word, but they were a little hesitant to put themselves out there and say, yeah, let's go join. Well, you remember what happened to Ananias and Sapphira, you know, they're your next door neighbor. They, you know, they did. They were hesitant. It still says God was adding to the church. God was adding to the church. And it's God who we saw that all the way back in Acts chapter 2. God add, It's God that adds to the church. Insomuch as they brought forth the sick in the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at, le at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the city round about Jerusalem bringing sick folks, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed every one. Now, 
it doesn't tell us specifically if the people that were trying to wait around for Peter's shadow were healed by his shadow. It's very possible. I'm not saying it's not, but it just doesn't say. It doesn't ever tell us that the apostles condoned that. That, you know, hey, just come on and bring your dude out and I'll walk by and when my shadow hits him, he'll be healed. So... You might take, some people take the end of verse 16 and say, yes, it was because it says they were all healed. But the point of this passage was that, that they were still doing these miracles. They were still doing this ministry even after people were now hesitant to come among them, to come and join them because of the death of Ananias and Sapphira. The point of it is that it did not hinder their ministry. It did not hinder the signs and the wonders that God was doing through through the hands of the apostles. It did not hinder any of these things. And verse 16 shows us the fulfillment of the Old Testament kingdom prophecy. Because if you remember back when we looked at uh, some of those Old Testament prophecies, it said people will stream into Jerusalem and they will come in and to seek the Lord. And they will. that's exactly what started happening. The only place the church was located at this time is in Jerusalem. If you want to come and be part of Jesus Christ's church as of this moment, you had to come to Jerusalem. It wasn't until Acts chapter 7 when Peter was stoned that people started spreading out into the world and Gentiles started coming into the church and all, all that. Right at this moment, all the apostles were meeting still in the temple complex right there in Solomon's porch and it says that people from Judah and the neighboring towns and all those started streaming into Jerusalem to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what the point that I think that he's making and the next section is going to be where the religious leaders, the Pharisees Sadducees, uh, chief priests are going to come and say, all right, we've had enough. We're throwing all y'all in jail. They threw the, all the apostles in jail. We'll see that next week. But what we're seeing here is that even in the midst of the fact that God's holiness is not going to be taken advantage of and that people got to see in this section, they got to see uh, the preaching of the cross, the preaching of forgiveness, the preaching of righteousness, but they also got a really shocking glimpse of the holiness of God as Ananias and Sapphira were, you know, just snuffed out right there. Uh, people were hesitant. They started thinking, man, this church thing is serious. This this people of the way, the, the Jesus' people, they, the, the, they're serious stuff. This is coming into the, the coming into the body of believers, coming into the, the church of Jesus Christ, is coming into the presence of God. And so they saw that it was serious, but that did not hinder their ministry. It actually spurred it along because it says, God continued to add to their church and people, although they might have been afraid to come near because they don't want to get killed, they still were streaming into Jerusalem to hear the apostles. They were still coming to the roadsides with their sick, hoping that Peter would, would heal them and, and you know, knowing that miracles and all these things were going on through the, through the hands of the apostles, through the teaching of the apostles. And so it did not holiness, the, the, the terror of holiness did not hinder the ministry of the church it, it grew the ministry. Does that make sense? So for you and I, there's no, there's no need for us. Right now, it's such a scary time in the world. I mean, it's, such, it's just bad everywhere. You, you know, people going to, whoever you're voting for, whoever, whatever's going on, you just, it, whatever could happen. Who knows? Persecution could start. You know, all this stuff is going on. There is no need for 
for us to ever fear the world or fear what goes on because God is in control. You remember the prayer that they prayed back in Acts chapter 4 last two weeks ago when we did Acts chapter 4? God, you're in control. You just give us boldness to speak. You hear their threats. You listen to what they're threatening us, but you give us boldness to speak and God is going to answer that prayer. He answered it for them. He's going to answer it for us. And we're going to see in the next section. Next section is where they put the apostles in prison and the angel comes and lets them out. And I'll go ahead and give you the headline for next next week. He doesn't let them out so that they can be comfortable. If you read the section for next week, the rest of this chapter 5, he lets them out to do what? To go right back to the place they got arrested in the day before and start preaching. And so that's, I mean, the the ministry of of God is going to continue. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against this church. But we need to understand that this thing is serious. It's not a social club. It's not a whatever. Coming in, when we, this walking into the doors, it's not this building and not the sheetrock. has nothing to do with that. You walk into the assembly of saints. You walk into the presence of the worship of God, the, uh, the word of God. You're walking into the presence of God. And so the only way we can do that is through the blood of Christ. If it wasn't for that, all of us would be dropped dead. But we still need to prepare our hearts for it. Does that make sense? Is there any questions, any comments, any cries of outrage? When it says that they were healed, do you think that they were... And you know, like we said that people brought them in that were sick and that were had you know vexed, unclean spirits. And it said that they were healed. Do you think that they were healed from like the blind man, the lame man? That, or do you think they were healed from sin sickness? From what? Sin sickness. Because you know we're in a sin sick world. As they say. Um, that's a good question. Uh, they were definitely and most certainly healed from whatever ailed them, you know, blind, saw, deaf, heard, lame walk. They were definitely healed from that. But, but all were healed. Yeah, all that came to them yeah. were healed. And it's kind of hard to imagine that everybody that came had a... Physical. Well, and remember, remember what we talked about. This is a picture of the kingdom. When the kingdom is consummated, when all things are, are we get to the end of history and all things are made new, there's not going to be any more sickness. Right. Not going to be any more blind people, not going to be whatever. And so what they're doing is they're giving us a glimpse into eternity. They're giving us a glimpse into the the reality of the perfection that God has in store. And God was using these miracles, signs and wonders to validate the message that they were given. They were, you know, I mean, just like Jesus, the guy that let the the paralytic down through the the, uh, roof. Uh, Jesus didn't heal him. First, he said, your sins are forgiven. And if, if I'm the guy that can't walk, I'm like... Well, well, thanks, <laughs> yeah, but I, I still can't walk. And the Pharisees were like, who's this guy that thinks he can forgive sin? He said, oh, you don't think I... I mean, he probably didn't do it as sarcastic as I do it, but he says, you don't think I can forgive sin? He said, well, well take up your bed and walk. He said, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or is it easier to say take up your bed and walk? And that's when he healed him. Uh, there are people that we see in Scripture who are healed from their malady that do not come to Christ for salvation. Uh, the nine lepers come to mind. You know, the only one came back to thank him and was actually made whole. The rest were just healed from their leprosy. Uh, and then there are other people who are healed and and saved, brought to the knowledge of Christ. I think the... 
being touched by an apostle and healed is not going to save them without faith. That makes sense. They save the same way we are. It's not in the, and so, but it doesn't say we're we're kind of speculating. It just says all were healed. So I think that all that had diseases, unclean spirits, you know, when they came to the apostles, the ministry is going forth. They're preaching the gospel. All of these were healed. Miracles were were happening, and people were excited about it. People were like, "Wow, look at all this going on. This is the work of God." But now there was a whoa. You need to make sure that make sure that you got make sure that you're you're preparing your heart before you come bouncing off into that community because you know you come in there with sin you come in there thinking I'm gonna do whatever I want and God will drop you dead like he did so there was now you have now you have a little tension does that make sense anybody want to add anything before we go all right, we got to go. It's getting late. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've given us through Ananias and Sapphira. Lord, we pray that you would just help us to mold our hearts. Help us to to uh, to prepare our hearts as we come into. Uh,